You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Thank you, Betsy. Hi, Emma, compulsive overeater. Um, grateful to be with you all today. Thank you, Thana, for asking me to speak. Uh, I want to start by just saying that I was pretty nervous to share here and surprised when Thana asked me because I, I don't follow a how food plan, um, but I asked Thana and I asked my sponsor and they my sponsor reminded me that, oh, a how, yeah, there's a food plan and is also all about the steps. And I have experience working the 12 steps around food. So I am going to focus my share there and uh, hopefully you get something out of it. Uh, I will start a little bit by qualifying and talking about what it was like. Um, Yeah, I had some like, I don't know, shame or weirdness come up when I shared like I've been abstinent since 2017 and I'm the same weight that I was when I came in, which is a healthy body weight for my body. Um, I um, am someone who identifies as being, I mean, I think I was born a compulsive overeater. It certainly runs in my family. Um, I recently found some writing by my great grandmother where she describes, weighing herself eating this big meal and then weighing herself again to see how much she gained this is like something she wrote type on her typewriter in 1981 so um i think this is a family disease for me i remember being a little kid and stealing food from a young age and i was like a very goody two-shoes kid but the one thing i couldn't i don't even uh, it wasn't even it didn't feel like a choice like i had to steal food to feel comfortable in my skin um and to deal with a lot of chaos that was going on in my home. Uh, I did a lot of research before I came in. Um, It was very clear to me, I am a lifelong watcher of normal eaters. I love to just, what are they up to? What what are normal eaters doing these days? And um, it was very clear to me from the time I was five or six that I did not have a normal relationship specifically with sugar, Um, that other people would say, oh, this is too rich. I can't relate, don't know what that looks like. Um, Or like people like wouldn't be in the mood for sweets. No idea what that's like. Um, And when I hit, well, my parents divorced when I was like 11 and I started having all this time home alone. And that's when I started truly binging and hiding it. Um, Lots of hiding wrappers under the couch, in my like desk drawer, just stuff like that, you know? And, And then 13, 14 came around and I started like compulsively dieting. Um, And that was something I was equally powerless over. Um, Yeah, just a lot of harming myself with food, both by overeating and by 
eating a lot and then compulsively exercising and um, starving myself and deciding I would only eat sugar, but less than the amount of calories I need for the day. So I would technically lose weight, even though I was not um, giving my body nutrition in any way. Um, so it was very messy. Um, I have been about 40 pounds more than I am now and about 20-ish pounds less than I am now, which was too thin for my body. Um, and I oscillated a lot and I was obsessed with weight and I was obsessed with food. And I thought everyone I interacted with was thinking about my weight. I'd like order coffee and be like, the person who just took my coffee order was definitely thinking about my weight, <laughs> which is uh, not what I think now. So I came into program at 23, I'm 27 now. Um, I heard of OA for the first time through a binge eating self-help book that actually said some very negative things about OA, but I didn't care. Like all I heard was that there were these meetings that I could show up to and talk about what was going on with food. Um, and I found out there were ones close to me. It took me a while to go from finding that out, but I did find that out. Uh, the other thing was that my brother joined AA about two years before I joined OA. So I sort of had an idea of that 12 steps existed. I don't know. I didn't really, really have an idea of what he was doing, but I knew that whenever we had those two years when we had like family stuff going on, he was allowed to leave the family reunion stuff to go to a meeting. And I was like, how can I get in on that? That sounds great. Um, uh, so um, I read the self-help book and then at some point I, um, was just getting like things were just going further and further downhill like right like I was starting to get like less and less hope around around food more and more frustrated and it was starting to show up in other parts of my life and I felt like things were kind of in control but um immediately after college I took this really intense job uh that inquired a lot of travel and a lot of crazy hours and I had no tools for taking care of myself through that so I binged a lot and stole food from them and then I needed out of that job because I was just so resentful and so it wasn't working so then I ended up at a company that was effectively scamming people and then I had to quit and then I was unemployed and that's when I got into OA when sort of things had gone very downhill for me and I showed up to my first meeting with no I like woke up at 7 a.m and I was like I'm going to know a meeting today where's the first one? So I got to an 8.45 a.m. meeting. Um, and I was really surprised how welcoming everyone was. Um, I sort of expected, I don't know what I expected, something different. And the first speaker I heard had, was nothing like me. He was uh, a dude. He seemed I don't know. He just didn't seem nothing like me, but I really related to what he was talking about with his experience with food. And um, I, given that I was unemployed at the time, I had plenty of time to go to meetings. So I just kept babysitting myself by going with meetings because that was the way I knew how to stop eating. I wouldn't eat when I was in a meeting. So that was a real relief. Um, and they were free slash cheap. Um, I pretty immediately got a sponsor. I needed a sponsor with um, a sense of humor and strong boundaries and someone who wouldn't take my BS. 
Um, and I found that. Uh, I came into the rooms young enough that I was able to find someone who got abstinent when I was three years old um, and it had been in program long before I was born. Um, I'm still with her today. Um, and I started working the steps. So I kind of went over, I think what it was like really covers a lot of my powerlessness over food. Um, I was pretty clear from the beginning that I was powerless over food. I remember at one point I ran an experiment with myself where I was like, okay, I'll buy this package of things and I'll eat one serving. What the set box says is one serving every day. And I'll like retrain my brain into what a serving is. And <laughs> the package was gone like a day later. Like I just couldn't do that. So I knew I was powerless over food. Um, the next big hurdle was steps two and three, this whole higher power thing. What's going on there? Um, and I had to, I had to really slow down at those steps. Um, when I first came into meetings, I was raised in a really secular household in a really secular part of the country. Just religion was just sort of like a background thing that I sort of knew happened sometimes in some parts of the world. Um, so, uh, a few things. Um, I just slowly started hearing it in the first few meetings I went to. I would just let it go over my head. Just, just okay, people are talking about God now. Just not going to bother with it, um, which I would actually recommend to any newcomers. Um, take what you like and leave the rest is really what I, what I was doing there. Um, and then I remember I asked my brother, actually, who had joined AA. And I was like, what do you think about this God stuff? Cause I, I know you weren't raised in a religious household. Like we were raised together. And he's this, he's this really intelligent guy. Um, when he hit his rock bottom with alcoholism he was also getting his PhD in particle physics um, at the same time. Um, and uh, so I thought he would have some like really brainy answer about like what is God in the universe. And you know, he's been looking at these electrons through a microscope like he's gonna have some answer. And I remember he was like doing dishes and he put the dishes down and he was like, you know, Emma, I don't know. It's abstract. That's what I like about it. It's abstract in the 12 steps. And I was like, oh, okay, right. I don't have to understand it. I can just let it be abstract. And so that's where I started with higher power. Um, I really think that I cannot with my own brain win an argument in my head about food. You know, like once I've started that argument in my head about, oh, should I eat this? Maybe, I don't know, like I'm destined to lose. And so bringing in a power greater than myself is the only way I know how to win that argument. It's not really winning, it's giving, it's uh, turning it over, releasing it. Um, I don't, I know some people say like, the ocean or nature or love or the group. Um, for me, I've really taken my brother's advice that it's abstract. Um, it is that I am really small and the universe is really big. And I don't, I don't know much. <laughs> um, I'm very bad at predicting the future. I um, really don't know what's going on in anyone's head but my own. And just assuming that a power greater than myself has got that under control. Um, and that whatever my higher power is, it does care about my food. Um, I think one thing I struggled with was this idea of like, okay, sure, I get how people can believe in God, but why would God care about food? Like starving children in Africa, sure, but like not me and like whether or not 
i.e. x, y, and z. Um, but realizing how these small little actions can really build up to something big. Um, and getting into steps four and five. 10 minutes, five. Emma. Thanks, Ten. Thanks. Um, great. We're gonna, we're gonna rock it through these steps. Um, really what I learned from the 12 steps is practicing rigorous honesty and practicing being of use to myself and others in a society of my fellows. Um, so four and five, this idea that like these small actions can make a big difference. Uh, my sponsor talks about sort of cash register honesty, like not stealing the pen at the bank, not that anyone's going into banks in person right now. But this idea of like, sure, these little lies, like we can justify to ourselves don't matter, but we don't know. I don't know. I don't know what little actions that make a difference. So I'm going to just do the next right action and be honest when I can, where I can. Um, and so that was my experience with four and five, just being really vulnerable with someone else, um, writing up my resentments and my fears and things I hadn't told anyone else and then sitting on my sponsor's couch and really just crying my eyes out and having her be like, yeah, me too. Um, it was scary and a little mortifying, um, but it helped me realize that I was just one amongst many. Um, one thing that was funny is like, you know, I came in at 23, my sponsor is in her 80s. And I remember sharing stuff on my fourth step about like, you know, acting out sexually and stuff and just like hearing her be like, yeah, me too. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't really expect that from my 80 year old sponsor. And that really helped break down some of the shame. Um, and um, sort of broke through this like feeling of always being difference and always being terminally unique. Um, six and seven were probably the hardest steps for me in a lot of ways. Um, the word character defects made me uncomfortable at first. Um, I grew up in a household that was very critical. And so I thought after my fifth step, my sponsor would be like, these are the things that are wrong with you. Diagnosed, check. Uh, and that's not what happened. Um, and instead I think about the emphasis for me on step six and seven is what character defects are standing in the way of my usefulness to myself and others. As in, not like, what do some people find annoying about me? Um, but like, what is, which I'm always curious, what, you know, I always want to be like, what does everyone think of me? But that's not the point. It's what is keeping me from being useful and by useful I mean like my full self and showing up um so yeah really getting my mind around that and then turning it over to higher power that I am not it is for me it is not about policing myself all day every day it's about like looking for new opportunities to try new behaviors um whether that's planning my food or whether that's uh trying a new way of talking to my boss, like it starts with food and then it gets so much bigger. Um, and these new ideas for new ways to act are not, don't always feel like they come from me. It feels like they come from a power greater than myself. You know, it is never 
my idea to try. One thing I've been trying a lot is like when there's a conflict or something like taking a break, like who knew that you can just be like, hey, I want time to think about this. I'll get back to you. Did not know. Thought you had to like immediately go into like fight or flight mode when there's conflict. Um, you know, that idea of like learning to pause in those moments did, is not something my brain would naturally come up with. That's something I've gotten from the rooms and from all of you and from working the 12 steps. Um, I am immensely grateful for eight and nine and making amends. I, when I first came into program, didn't understand, you know, like when you read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, there's like, okay, if you've cheated on your wife, here's what you do, A, B, C. And I was like, I, a 23 year old queer girl did not cheat on my wife. Like <laughs> this is, this is not what happened. I like sat in my room and ate and didn't bother anyone. And um, the, the reality is that like, actually I did hurt a lot of people with my eating in, first of all, I did act out and I just like, wasn't really aware of that when I first came in. Um, but I also like, didn't realize how much like me not showing up fully for life was hurting other people. Um, the fact that like, I remember going to my uncle's funeral and only thinking about food and like not really being able to be like there for my family. Um, so a lot of my amends, I did make amends for stealing food. I did have to call up an old roommate. That was terrifying. Five minutes. Thanks. 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 Um, but I, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, a lot of my amends were living amends. Things like I call my mom every Sunday and she knows to expect that call from me and I'm regularly there for her and she doesn't have to wonder what I'm calling. And uh, those calls are like difficult sometimes, you know, I still have a strained relationship with her. The calls end up being like maybe 10 minutes long, um, but you know, I'm consistent and I'm there. Um, yeah, um, and then amends to myself that uh, I deserve to show up for life. I deserve to have close relationships. Um, I deserve to not punish myself with exercise or skipping meals. Um, yeah. Uh, and now I know some people do the steps over and over again. I sort of do 10, 11, 12. And then now, and then when something comes up, my sponsor's like, hey, that seems like it's really red hot on your 10 step. Let's work all the steps around that particular issue. So I've done one on my parents and I've done some stuff around work all the way through. But anyway, I do step 10. Um, I send to my sponsor every night with my food. Uh, and at first I thought it was uh, that I had to uh, like confess my sins every night. I thought it was very black and white, like here's where I lied today or here's where I was selfish. Um, and now it's more like a space where I get to reflect on the day and what I did well. I, it's important to me to include in 10 steps what I did well. And um, and also like where I could where I could stand to try some new behaviors and what's not working for me. Um, and it's it's really important to me that I share that with somebody else. Um, and that I consistently do it. Um, one thing that's been happening in the 
pandemic is that my days don't have the same arc of like, oh, I start my day, I go through it, and then I end my day. Sort of feels like it's all just kind of happening in a time soup. And so, um, yeah, I sometimes lately forget to do my 10 step and it really helps me to end my day even when our days feel like time soup, <laughs> um, when things are just kind of happening. Um, uh, prayer and meditation, the 11th step, still really freaking hard for me. I do not meditate well. Um, I've joked in meetings before that I'm waiting to my 30s to slow down and meditate, um, but I do do things like uh, go for walks and have quiet time. Um, it's important to me that I wake up an hour before my partner and or ish and like have some quiet time to myself um, and that I stay connected to a higher power. Um, but slowing down is still something I'm working on. And step 12 has been up for me a lot lately. The thing that's gotten me through this pandemic is sponsoring others, um, especially that I saw you in the at the time. No, no. Okay. It's not um, uh, what can I say about sponsoring others? It helps me so much. It is the cornerstone of my recovery is working with newcomers um, and seeing other people's recovery. Um, I truly always hear what I need to hear from my sponsors. I, sponsees. I learn so much from them. And um, I really believe that I can't keep this recovery that that I had nothing to do with that is that is I'm very grateful for that is a product of my higher power and the support of these rooms um I can't keep that recovery unless I also give it away um and lately I've actually had a lot of opportunities to talk with people outside the program about program which is interesting um and I've learned to really do it in this attraction not promotion way which is so hard um, I've had some friends express interest in the program and just sort of being like gently like, yeah, it works for me. Um, let me know if you want info on any of the meetings and just sort of like letting it go. Um, I'm sure that if someone had tried to push me to into program, that wouldn't have worked. Um, um, so, so. Dana, was, did I hear you right at that time? Yeah, it's time now. All right. Well, I'll wrap up there. Thank you, you so much up. for having me.